All right, so this morning, <clears throat> I'm going to share a message in a way that maybe we only do maybe once or twice a year, this type of message. It's going to be a topical message, and I'm not that guy. I'm more of an expositional guy. That's kind of the way we set as a church. We're going to be expositional in our preaching and teaching, and yet um, I really felt like this is the direction God would have us to go, and so we're going to be a little topical you do have some study sheets. I hope if you don't have one, um, there are some available um, to you. <clears throat> We're going to have a lot of verses on the screen, so I'm going to ask you to write those references down, go back, check them out for yourselves. We're going to be moving at a rather quick pace. Um, my prayer is that we are truly envisioned um, this morning, that we have an idea. We just got done singing our vision as a church, and our sermon title for today is, Are You Bored um, With Church? And if we're not careful, there will be moments where we have a, a face just like that on a Sunday morning. It's like, oh, here we go again. It's another service, another Sunday, another this, another that. And I'm telling you what, I have the opportunity to stand here and preach, and I get that face a little bit. All right, I get that face a lot um, from, from some people. And uh, maybe it's just tired or, or what have you. But the, the question is, are you bored with church? And uh, I bet if there's somebody honest here, you'd say, yeah. I do get bored with church. I do get bored with, with this thing. And um, I, I pray that you'll take heed to the things that we get into this morning. All right, y'all ready? Buckle up. We're going to go for a ride. We're going to go good. All right, so first verse I want you to see. In fact, make your way to Haggai chapter 1. That's, gonna, that's our base text. It's, it's going to take us a minute to get there. So it's going to take us a bit while to get there. But I want you to look at Proverbs 29 and verse 18. And I think I've got this on the screen. Yeah, so Proverbs 29 and verse 18, a very familiar verse, often quoted, usually only quoting the first part of the verse. They never really quote the last half of the verse, but it says, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. So there's, there's some things in here that we need to grasp. The first thing I just want you to grasp onto is that the law of God, the word of God is tied to the vision because that's the juxtaposition he makes, right? So if there's no vision, the people perish. Well, what is perishing? Well, that's an interesting word in this context. It doesn't necessarily mean dead. It means a slow death. It means to slowly fade away. It means to slowly wither away. That's what that word perish means. All right, so where there is no vision, the people perish, but... He that keepeth the law, happy is he. And so there's this idea that the perishing is opposite of happiness. Happiness is opposite of, of vision or of, of, of perishing. And so we, we get from the verse here that when the people lack vision, they're guaranteed to perish, guaranteed, right? Don't miss that. If you lack vision, if the people lack vision, they are guaranteed to perish and you will never truly find happiness. Now, man, if you went, just put a microphone in people's faces and ask them, are you really happy? The majority of people would say, no, I'm not happy. And I'm just talking about just the general population. But narrow this down just to the body of Christ. Is there true joy in your life? Are you truly happy? And that has everything to do with vision, has everything to do with being able to see things the way that God sees them. That's your definition for vision. Seeing things the way that God sees them. 
right? That's, that's the biblical definition of vision. All right, so if you're like me, I, I read verses like this. I go, okay, yeah, I get that. If there's no vision, the people perish. I, okay, I get that. But then the question I ask is, okay, what does that look like though? I mean, what does it look like for the people to perish? I just want to throw out just some, a few examples that I see in scripture of this, all right? The first one's on Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59, verses eight to 10. This is where the nation of Israel is in sin against the Lord. And because they're in sin, they're in, in darkness. And if you notice here in verse eight, it says the way of peace, they know not. And there is no judgment in their goings. In other words, they can't make right decisions. There's no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Not, not that they have a crooked path, that they made their own crooked path. There's no straightness in them. Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. Sounds a lot like what we just read. There's no happiness, right? Shall not know peace. There is, therefore is judgment far from us. Neither the just, just, justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold, obscurity for brightness, but we walk in darkness. Now check this out. Here's what it looks like when you have no vision. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope for the wall like the blind. And we grope as if we had no eyes. Notice it says, as if we had no eyes. You have eyes, but you're not seeing things the way that God sees them. Therefore, it's as if you have no eyes. And we stumble at noonday as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. So here's the, just something I want you to consider. Sin always causes a lack of vision. Sin always causes a lack of vision. And when you have a lack of vision, then that causes despair. And that's exactly what you're reading in this passage. Somebody who is in a state of despair, they can't find their way out. Their sin has compounded. Their life has become an absolute wreck. There's no straightness in their steps. They're absolutely crooked and they cannot find their way. There's as if they're living a zombie-like life. Right? I was telling Jared Larkey earlier, you know, the senior ministry is kind of kicking off. And we used to have a senior ministry way back in the day, years and years and years and years ago. And they call themselves the living dead. That's a weird name, right? That's an absolutely weird name. But there's, let me tell you, there are people who are living their lives just like this. They are the living dead. They have no vision and they're living a zombie life, man, because they have no vision. That's what perishing looks like. The light is on, it's noon, and you can't see anything. You have no direction because sin has caused you to lack vision. And maybe that's you. Let me take you to another one, 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15 to 17. The, 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 the Syrian army has made their way and they're surrounding um, some of the people in, in, the, in, the, in the, one of the cities of Samaria in, in the area of Israel. And you have the servant of God doing his thing. Well, the man of God has a servant and the servant wakes up in the morning. You see this in verse 15. When the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city with horses and chariots. That wouldn't make you have a big gulp in your throat, right? So you just woke up from a nice long six hour nap, right? All night long, you wake up early in the morning, you go stretch, you look outside and there's an entire army surrounding you, ready to destroy you. That's what you wake up to. Yeah, that would cause a gulp in, in my throat. And, the, and it says, and his servant said unto him, alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, fear not, 
So this guy is completely paralyzed by fear. He says, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Now, imagine being in the servant's position. You're the one that had just been outside. You're the one who saw the army. You're the one who saw the horses and the chariots. You saw them all. You come and you wake up your, ma- you wake up your master and you say, hey, um, there's a lot of them and there's a few of us. And then your master says, hey, chill out, man. Don't fear. We have more, more with us than there are with them. And you go, one, two. I, I think you're wrong, dude. I think you're wrong because I'm looking at you and me and I'm looking around, there ain't a whole lot of us and there's a whole lot of them. And notice this, verse 17. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes. He lacked vision, didn't he? Open his eyes that he may see. No, he's able to see. He's able to see with physical eyes, but not spiritual eyes. Seeing things from God's perspective. And the Lord opened his eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Those chariots of fire, those horses were there the entire time and he couldn't see them because he lacked vision. And the prayer is, I wanna see things the way that God sees them. And now here's something to think about. When you get stressed, it causes lack of vision, doesn't it? When you get stressed out to the max, Everything is compounding on you. It looks like you can't handle one more thing. Immediately lack of vision. And lack of vision always causes you to have paralyzing fear. You might call that anxiousness or anxiety. That's what it looks like to perish. Let me give you another one. 1 John chapter 2, verse 11. But he that hated his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because the darkness hath blinded his eyes. That's relationship problems, isn't it? You get relationship problems, guaranteed you're going to lack vision. And when you lack vision, it causes you to live in a state of blindness. In other words, isolation. You can't see anything. All you see is the drama that this relationship has caused. Lack of vision. And it's not long until you perish, and you become completely isolated. Let me show you another one. Revelation chapter three, the Laodicean church age. Revelation chapter three, verses 17 and 18. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable, poor and blind and naked. So listen, you're saying you're one thing. In reality, you're completely blind and you're naked. Then he says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. Oh, this one's a big one, because success causes lack of vision too, doesn't it? When I'm having success in the world, when things seem to go really well for me, I tend to lack vision because I'm seeing things the way that I want to see them instead of the way that God sees them, and it causes delusion. That's what this is. This is pure delusion. You pretending to be one thing, in reality, you're something else. Now, when I grew up, some odd years ago, that's, there was a story that I loved to read. I used to re- love to go to the library and I'd open it up. It was The Emperor's New Clothes. Remember that, remember that little book? The Emperor's New Clothes. Some of you young ones going, I have no idea what you're talking about. The Emperor's New Clothes. And the idea of the story was the emperor got new clothes that only... Uh, the poor people could see, right? And he couldn't see them. He's walking around absolutely naked, being paraded through the streets. And the 
Anyway, that's a, there's a whole other story to that, but let me tell you, there's a lot of believers who are walking around life as an emperor with new clothes, pretending to be something, completely thinking that they're covered, they think everything is good, and God says, no, 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 you are wretched, you're poor, you're blind, and you are naked. The passage, we've been talking about this, this uh, comparison between Genesis chapter three and Revelation chapter three. Remember when Adam and Eve fell in the garden? They knew that they were naked and they hid themselves. They covered themselves up with fig leaves. Here in Revelation chapter three at the end, Laodicean church age, they don't even realize they're naked and their nakedness is a full display. And God says, you don't even know that you're naked so much so that you are in full display. You don't even bother to hide yourself anymore. In fact, you flaunt it. That's a lack of vision. That's lack of vision. Let me give you one more and this is where I wanna hang out right here. Is in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, verse 15 says, for this people's heart is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes they have closed. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. Here's Jesus having an interaction with the nation of Israel They've officially rejected him just one chapter earlier. And he calls them out and says, listen, Isaiah prophesied about you guys. This is a quote from the book of Isaiah, by the way. The people's heart is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing. Not because they can't hear, because they don't want to. Not because they can't see, because they don't want to see. And the reality is they're tired of hearing it and they're tired of seeing it. And I'm telling you, that's where a Listen, all those examples I just gave, the idea of, of sin causing, leading to a zombie-like life or de- despair and stress leading to a paralyzing fear or relationship problems leading to blindness and isolation or success causing delusion, all those things are real and every one of us deals with them on some level. But if you were to ask me as a pastor, what is the main issue in a lot of churches today? And I would say this, it's boredom. They're tired of hearing it and they're tired of seeing it. Do I have to go to church again? We're gonna sing a few songs and that bald fat dude's gonna get up and he's gonna preach and he's gonna use that Bible thing. And I'm gonna doodle on my paper and I'm gonna do my thing and I'm gonna go home and I'm not gonna be changed. And we're gonna do it again next week and we're gonna do that again the next week and the next week. Well, that'd be rather boring too. Listen, if that was the reality, I may not be here next week either else on TV or at least something to do other than that. Listen, what's happening here is that boredom, their boredom, they're tired of hearing and their boredom has caused them to lack vision. And because their lack of vision has not caused them to have no real change in their life. I keep going to church. I keep going to church. I keep going to church. Every single week I'm there and I'm unchanged. There's no change in my life. I'm bored to death. Are you bored of church? Because that's where I would say the majority of Christianity is today. They're absolutely bored with it. And there's no real change. Let me just throw this out there real quick. If the only thing you see is this moment here, this Sunday gathering at 1030, if this is all that you get, number one, you're missing out. Because this isn't church. 
this is the main gathering of our church that we celebrate and we get the envisioned with the Word of God. There's so much more to the body of Christ than that. But if this is all you get is Sunday morning, it will not be long until you're bored to death with it. And you can be doing it for another 20, 30 years and sit in the same seat, singing the same songs, memorizing the same verses, unchanged. And you're really just a zombie. You've perished. You're just a dead man or woman walking. Is everybody relating with me? Y'all getting this? All right, so let me give you something to chew on. Here's the first point I want you to get. Is that if we aren't careful, we're gonna view church as an event instead of an entity equipping. Now here's the typical the typical American church-going household. They did all their thing that they're doing on Saturday, and then on Sunday morning, they're gonna put on their Sunday best. And on Sunday morning, they're gonna eat their biscuits and gravy or whatever it is. They're gonna get up and they're gonna go to church. The whole family, we're all gonna go to church. And as soon as church is out, we're gonna go home, we're gonna kick off our shoes, we're gonna put on our Sunday lazy clothes. We're going to eat grandma's roast. Maybe we might go over to grandma's house. We're going to go over to mom's house or whatever. We're going to eat Sunday dinner, by the way. I'm a fan of Sunday dinner. We don't do it very often, but I'm a big fan of that. Some of us would run to the Mexican restaurant so we can run home as fast as possible. And we go home, we get in our nap clothes, and we take a nap. And I'm just telling you, as a pastor of this church, my advice to you on Sunday afternoons and evenings is to go home and do nothing. Please, we're such a busy society. We're on the go all the time. You need time to rest. Please do that, except for tonight, six o'clock, be here. All right, so all that's true. And they do that every single week. And it just becomes part of life, becomes part of the culture, becomes part of the family deal. And so we come and we receive nothing. We do nothing with it. We walk out the doors the same way in which we came in for years. We found something else to do that occupied our time on the weekend. Okay, well, go do that. Enjoy that. Well, if I miss one week, then it turns into two, which turns into four months, which turns into whatever. It just compounds, doesn't it? I don't want you to hear, my pastor wants me to come to church all the time. Listen, I, I, I love the body of Christ. I love you all being here. But if it's just an event, find something else to do. Be envisioned with your life. It's more than an event. This is an equipping. That's what this is. Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 31. Do not let this be us. Don't let this be me. And they come to thee as the people cometh. And they sit before thee as my people and they hear thy words, but they will do them not. They're gonna come for the show. They're gonna come for the preaching. They're gonna come for the word of God. For with their mouth, they show much love. By the way, the only time you ever find those two words together like that in your entire Bible. Much love comes from this verse. They show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. It's nothing more than treating it like a concert or like an event. Wow, he can speak, or wow, that was really good. Oh man, I need to write that down. And that's as far as it goes. It's nothing more than a show. For they hear thy words, 
but they do them not. We treat church often as a performance, and it ought not be that way. Do not treat it as an event. Treat this as an equipping, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. And they gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting. That's the equipping. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Why do we talk about discipleship all the time? Why do we talk about these classes all the time? Why do we do that? Why? Because we want to equip you. Because there's work to be done. The work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. We want to be built up. All right, so here's, here's something else to think about. So if I viewed church as an event, all right, so let's just pretend that I'm gonna view church as an event. How would I carry out, how would I carry this out? Well, I would show up a few minutes before it starts. That's what I would do. And then I would immediately find my assigned seat, Right? because that's what concerts do. You get a assigned seat. Here's your ticket. You're going to sit here. You're going to show up a few minutes early. You're going to go straight to your assigned seat. If I was treating it as an event, I would stand and watch while others praise the Lord in song. Enjoy the concert. And I wouldn't bother bringing my Bible, and I definitely wouldn't bother opening my Bible, because I have no really care what it has to say. It's just a show. And I might even drop a few bucks in the giving box, you know, the price of admission. And I might have temporary emotional response. I might even bring a tear to my eye. I might even laugh a little bit, but I'm not going to be eternally changed. And I guarantee if I was treating it as an event, I'd be one of the first ones out the door because I got to get out of the parking lot before everybody else does. I got to get to the restaurant before everybody else does. Man, listen, I'm just telling you. Anytime I've had the opportunity to go to a Kansas City Chiefs game, I want to be one of the first ones there and one of the first ones to leave. Every concert I go to, I want to be, I want to get there, and then I want to be one of the first ones out. You know, I would slowly stop coming. That's what would happen. My attendance would get fewer and fewer and fewer, and distance and distance and distance. You know why? Because rerun performances get old. Amen? Rerun performances get old. There's a few movies I can watch a few times, but... Like Elf, one of the best movies in the Christmas. Man, love it. I watch it every year. I can quote every single line, but I'm not watching it every single week. That'd be weird, right? They'd get old. But if I treat church like that, and eventually I'd stop coming altogether because I've been there, done that, seen that show. But, but if I, if I view church as an equipping that's your next blank. If I view church as an equipping, I'd get here early to meet with people so that my iron could be sharpened with other people. Iron sharpens iron. I, I wouldn't find my seat until I absolutely had to. I would sing to the Lord with all my heart, praise the Lord. I would sing with everything I've got because he deserves the praise. I'm not singing to Levi Baker. I'm singing to the Lord, Right? I'm not singing to Connie Hill. I'm singing to the Lord. I'd open my Bible with expectancy for God to speak to me. I would make my financial support of what God is doing locally and globally a priority. I wouldn't be looking for an emotional moment, but I would be begging God for an external change, for an eternal change. I would be hanging around afterwards to speak with as many people I haven't had the opportunity to. 
I would seize every opportunity to gather because I know that God would have something fresh for me. Yeah, but you understand the order, of the, it's always, always the same order. Yeah, but it's always something new for me, man. God has something for me. I'm viewing it as an equipping, not as an event. And I'm telling you what, you would have a hard time prying me from this place because it ain't this building. It's you. It ain't, it ain't it's not this. It's, it's you, it's the body of Christ that we need each other. I want to be able to see things the way that God sees them. True vision. Next blank. If we aren't careful, we'll fall in this trap too because we'll view the equipping as an event instead of envisioning. In other words, oh man, yeah. Give me as much Bible as you can give me. Teach me, teach me, teach me. I'm gonna be there at 9 a.m. with David Shelby's laying out that class. And, and then um, I'm gonna be in, in student ministry at 9 a.m. Why? Because I can't wait to see what God's gonna give through Levi or through Mason or through Alex. And I mean, I can't wait for that. Okay, and then I'm gonna to come to church and I, and I can't wait. And I'm writing all my little notes down. I'm getting it all down. Man, I, I can't wait to get involved in ministry tools and training. And I wanna get in the Bible Institute one day. I can't wait. And guess what? We treat all of that as an event because we just get more learning, but no doing. That's a danger as well. Habakkuk or Habakkuk, y'all decide, right? Habakkuk, Habakkuk, however I feel, that's how it works. Chapter two, verse two. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables. Why? That he may run that readeth it. Our job as pastors is to envision, and we equip you to do something with the envisioning. That, that's our job. That's what we do. And so we want to write the vision. Mason wrote a song, Go Bring, Build, and Glorify. Man, that thing sticks in my head. I'll be walking through Walmart saying, Go Bring, Build, Glorify. And I said, why? Because we write the song. We want to write the vision so that it's on the tables of our heart. Not just on tables, but on the tables of our heart. We want to make it plain. It needs to be simple. And so we, we put it on the walls, right? We, we put it in song. Uh, we, we put it on paper. We, we do it all the time. We want to make the vision. We talk about it all the time. Why? Because that's our job. It's not to just equip. Yes, equip but to envision. So let me throw the verse up. It's right here in your, in your Bible. Haggai chapter one, verses seven and eight. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. This is the vision of HBC. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house and I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified. Saith the Lord, go bring, build and glorify. That's our vision. So let me just take a few moments and make it plain. And if you've been here for a minute, you've got all the blanks already filled out, I guarantee. You should already have them filled out because you know what I'm gonna say. We're gonna repeat it. We have to make it plain. First thing is our vision is to be a going church, not a church on the go. 
We want to be a going church, but not a church on the go. I'm not interested in us being busy. I don't want us to have our calendar completely filled all the time. You should already have your calendar filled because you're going. Now, what does that look like? Well, be purposed in your movement. Don't just like, I've got to go do something. Okay, you're not going to get anything accomplished. You just go crazy like that. Be purposed in your movement. Go with a purpose. I think that was one of the lyrics to the song we sang. Go with a purpose. Maybe let me put it this way. Going where the people are so that they can go where you are going. You're going to go spend eternity with the Lord. Are you willing to go to somebody else so that they in turn can go where you're going? Who's going to be in heaven with you because you went? And who's not going to be there because you refused to go? So what do you mean to go? Yeah, I want to be on the go. I want to be a going church, not a church that's just super busy on the go. That's, that's personal. Personally, you should be building relationships. You should have be Bible, doing Bible study. You should be engaging in lost people's lives. But also regionally, we ought to be going and, and joining other supporting churches, doing some different things that they're doing. But at the same time, we ought to be going globally, doing mission trips, which by the way, Lord willing, that'll happen this year mission trips and, and support. And then we go by sending. Do you understand that? That God hasn't necessarily called Roberta to go to the other side of the world. She's like, yeah, that's right. God hasn't called me to do that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But she can still go by sending. Amen? She still goes by sending. And guess what we have the opportunity to do today as a church? We get to go to New Zealand. Did you know that? We're all going to New Zealand today. What are you talking about, Willis? 80s reference. We're all going to New Zealand because Maddie Carlin's going. And we're sending her out as a short-term missionary to Christ Church, New Zealand. Maddie, come on up. Um, family, too. I know, I know. I love this girl. I've known her for years. God's been moving in your life. We've already done the whole mic thing. I'm not gonna make you talk, okay? But she, this is her last Sunday for two years. She's leaving Saturday, right? Friday, Saturday, Saturday. She's leaving next week. You're not gonna have the opportunity. Hopefully, you took advantage of the opportunity to say goodbye yesterday at the meet and greet and all those. My bucket list, if you were to give me a plane ticket and said, go anywhere in the world, my number one stop is New Zealand. And God hasn't said, go to New Zealand, but I get to go through her. She gets to see it. She gets to be with the people. She gets to sit down and drink coffee. She gets, and here's what she's doing. She's gonna go there to work through a local church because that's what we do. We work through local churches. We wouldn't be behind her if she was just going to do this on her own. Not interested. We do it through local churches because we go tethered to the mission, tethered to the local church. So she's gonna get plugged into a local church and then she's gonna be on campuses, building relationships, sitting down with people, opening the Bible up, leading people to Christ and making disciples plugging them into the body of Christ and so that they will in turn go do the same. Sounds familiar? 
That's what we do here. That's what we're sending her to go do. So I'm so thankful for that. All right, so I need the family up. And then I need the body of Christ up. So everybody stand up if you wouldn't mind. I need you to stand right down here, right in the middle. Pastors, I need you around. Deacons, I need you here. Right in the middle of the message. Man, I'm gonna have you back up just one step. Get up a little higher. There we go. All right, so we need to pray. So please, if you feel comfortable, make your way on around. If you need to get up here, do get up in here. Uh, we need to pray putting hands on her, sending her out, family getting in close. We need to pray for Maddie for sure. We need to pray for mom and dad and sister, right? Pray for the body of Christ. This is a huge moment. So if you feel comfortable, you come on up. Um, Dave, will you come in? I'm going to the mic right here. There we go. Maddie, we love you. And we're sending you to New Zealand because this is what God has called us to do, called you to do. And we want to say thank you that we get to be a part of this. So, Dave, will you pray? Father, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity you've given us to be part of your mission, Lord, and, and the price that you paid that we might know you, Father, that we might be included in your family and in your purpose. Lord, I thank you for Maddie. I thank you for the Carlin family, what they mean to the church and just uh, who they are. And as long as I've known them, I thank you, Father, for them. And, and I pray, Lord, for Maddie as she takes off next week to go to a new place to meet new people, to see new things, but to accomplish the same mission, uh, Lord, which is just to, to bring your gospel to a new place into the lives of people, just as we do here. And Father, I pray, God, that you would protect her, that you would keep her safe, keep her focused on you and what you want to accomplish while she's there over the next couple of years. And Use her mightily in the lives of the people, Lord, that she meets and encounters. Uh, Father, and just giving them your gospel, giving them your word, that they might know you. And, Lord, that she might be impacted through your word there. And I pray for her family. Uh, Lord, in this time of uh, separation, if she's going after what you want her to do. And, Lord, may they just be strong for her, strong in you. Uh, Lord, and just... Uh, just watch, Father, what you're doing in her life and be amazed, Father, in her. We just want to give you praise and thanksgiving here. It's your name I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. So our vision is to go and send where we can't go, send others. We are tethered to the local church. We are tethered to the mission, no doubt about it. All right, let's shift gears for a moment because the next thing I want you to get is that our vision is to go with the intention of bringing a harvest. Why is Maddie going? Why are you going to the ne next door? Why are, why are we going? Here's why because we have the extension of bringing a harvest. We want to bring people to meet Jesus. We want to bring people to know Jesus through his word, through the body of Christ, and through the spirit of God. We want to bring people to serve Jesus. They know that they have a purpose and a place within the kingdom of God. I told Maddie yesterday, 
He said, listen, you're going to go. And you're not going to be the same person you were when you come back. And that's okay. We're not going to be the same church. And that's okay. Because Lord willing, we'll have brought in more. Amen? Lord willing, we'll have sent out others. Our job is not to become big and fat, right? That's a church. That's not our job. Our job is not to get big. You, I don't know who said this. I steal the quote. It's not mine. You judge the strength of a church not on its seating capacity, but on its sending capacity. And the only way we can send is if we keep bringing them in. And so we do have a vision is to go with the intention of bringing a harvest. Don't just go. Go because you want to see people brought to Jesus in salvation. You want to see them really know Christ for who he is, and you really want to see them begin to serve Christ. Well, here's the next point. That means our vision is to build temples that will reach the world. Go, bring, build. That's our vision. And we do that through discipleship, don't we? That's how we build. And different people do different ways of discipleship. Here, we do one-on-one personal discipleship where somebody invests, in, where a mature believer invests in a, a, another believer, pours their walk with Jesus into them so that they, in turn, would also have a walk with Christ. We use 18 lessons, but 18 lessons are not discipleship. It's an exchange of life, not information. Amen, church? And so we want to always be building temples that reach the world. Well, that's a weird point, building temples. I thought, now, well, hold on a second. The Bible makes it very clear for the New Testament church. We are the temple of the Most High God. Amen? The moment you get saved, you become the temple of God because the, the holiness of righteousness and magnificence of the Shekinah glory of God dwells inside of us. Do you understand that? That you are a temple of the Most High God. In the Old Testament, the world came to the temple to worship. In the New Testament, the temple goes to the world. That's how it works. And then God's going to bring it right back during the tribulation period and the millennial reign of Christ where the world has to go back to a temple. You can read all about that in Zechariah chapter 14, Revelation chapter 20. You can check that out yourself. But our vision is to build temples that reach the world. What does that mean? Then I want to see temples that truly worship. Build Temples of worship. Your your will is bowed down to his. You're worshiping the Lord with your life. We want to see a temple of worship. We want to see disciple-making factories. That's what I'm praying that you become, a temple of worship. But I'm also praying that every one of us will become a disciple-making factory. That my life is so consumed with leading people to Christ so that I can turn, invest my walk with Christ into them, train them up to go and do the same. That's discipleship. That's true discipleship. All right, so quickly, I know we've had a bunch of people finish discipleship within the last two or three months. So if that is you, please stand real quick. If you have been discipled, finished discipleship in the last two, why are you not standing? All right, anybody else? Last two or three months, if you finished discipleship, give them a round of applause. Hey, stay standing, 
stay standing. I know we have teachers working, so if you discipled one of them, please stand up. I'm standing. If you discipled one of them, all right, please stand up, all right. If you discipled one of them, please stand up. Is that everybody? I know we got people working, so it doesn't work. Listen, this is what multiplication looks like. Investing your life, you can sit down. Investing your life in somebody else. I pray that you become disciple-making factories. Tony, where's my disciple? Get me a disciple. Go lead one to Christ and make a disciple that way. We have others getting ready to be discipled. How many have we got in discipleship now? 23 people getting discipled. That's amazing. Praise the Lord for that. All right, so yeah, we want to see uh, temples of worship. We want to see disciple-making factories. You want to see, um, we want to see solid relationships built. That's what we desperately want to see here. That you are close, that you are free to be who God made you to be here. This is home. This is your family. We build solid relationships, but eventually, Lord willing, one day, God will plant another church out of here. We'll build local churches. Or at least allow us to facilitate that and be a part of that. All right, last point. Our vision is to glorify God in our going, in our bringing, and our building. We don't preach ourselves, we preach Christ. Amen? We don't preach us, we preach Jesus. So our vision is to glorify God in our going, our bringing, in our building. Don't go if you're not gonna glorify God. Why spend time trying to bring if you're not gonna glorify God? Why are you wasting time building something if it's not gonna glorify God? Because it's in vain is what Psalm says. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. Allow God to get the glory. Let me remind you of Haggai 1, verses seven and eight. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. In other words, God has spoken. God is speaking. Put yourself in a position to hear what it says and then consider your ways. You wanna know, know something? This is how you deal with your quiet time. I'm having a hard time with my quiet time. I feel like I'm reading, but not getting anything out of it. Understand that the Lord is speaking. And if you knew that you were sitting across the table from Jesus Christ himself, I think you would listen to what it was giving and said, wouldn't you? So maybe, maybe that's the way to view your quiet time. As if you're sitting across the table or next to him on the couch, as you're opening your Bible, God is speaking, am I listening? And the proper response is to consider your ways. In other words, envisioning, seeing things the way that God sees them. And he tells them, go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house and I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Go, bring, build, and glorify. I'm just telling you, if you are bored with church, then you got a weird view of what church is. This is not an event. This is an equipping and an envisioning because we gather to scatter. That's why we're here today. Not so that we can feel warm and fuzzy. I like the warm and fuzzy moments too. I like them. I'm all about them. We're not here for that. We're here to be changed from the inside out, to be different every time we walk out of here, to scatter so that we can in turn come back and gather back up. And I'll just be honest, this is not my favorite gathering of the church. It's not Sunday morning. My favorite gathering is Wednesday night. Harvest kids doing their thing. 
uh, junior high kids doing their thing, and we're in here praying, seeking God's face, studying the Word of God. That's my favorite time. It truly is. Now, I enjoy this, but my favorite time is Wednesday night. So let me close with this. If you're bored, if you're bored with church, it may be that you aren't going anywhere. You have no, nowhere to go. If you're bored, it may be that you're not bringing anything to the Lord and laying it at his feet. If you're bored, it may be that you haven't built anything. You're no longer building. And it may be that you're no longer interested in giving God the glory that he deserves. If it is ho-hum, if it is boring, either we're not envisioning and we're not equipping or we're treating it as an event. And we don't need reruns, amen? We need God to speak to us fresh every single day and every single week. I'm thankful for what God's doing here. And he ain't done. I'm just telling you, the more he do, the more he does, the more we got to do. And it requires some shifts and it requires some different things. So we're going to talk about some of that tonight if you want in on that. If you don't, you don't. That's fine. Let's stand together. It's a weird message, I know. Weird for me, telling Kara. I don't do topical messages very often. It's weird for me. But I feel like this is the direction God had us to go. I feel like you heard from the Lord. Glad you came today. Me too. Now we're gathered to scatter. I'm going to do it again. Come back here ready and visioned because of what God's been doing in your life this week. Go with expectancy. Go bring Bill to glorify. Go do that. Amen? Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you for the body of Christ. I thank you for this church. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here who doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, I pray you would just rock their world. Convict them of their need for a Savior. Lord, to know that if they were to step off into eternity, would they do so with you? Or apart from you in the lake, lake of fire and hell? Lord, I thank you for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm thankful for your word. Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, that we don't have to be walking dead people. Lord, that we could have true life. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we can be envisioned. And Lord, that we don't have to live a slow, withering, perishing death. Father, Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this church. I thank you for the salvations. Lord, I thank you for the discipleship that's happening. I thank you for the growing and the equipping. For Lord, there's so much more that you would have us to be about. And Lord, we just want to seek your face and ask that we would follow your will and not our own. Lord, envision us, Lord, that we might be able to see things the way that you see them. May we go, bring, build, and glorify. Jesus, I pray. Amen.